the, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Hello, and welcome to Vacation Station, hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com. Travel writer and hospitality expert Jan Smith is back on Big Blend Radio today to talk about planning a family vacation to the Caribbean islands. Cool. I, I like go. it. I know. Yeah. One that includes activities and not just for water lovers. You think of the islands and you think, oh, you've got to be an avid snorkeler. Um, but she includes uh, activities for outdoor adventures, yeah. history buffs, and, you know, basically for people who don't want to get their feet wet or their entire body I wet. I want my body wet. I know. I well, she's get got my feet wet. She's got stuff for you. She's got activities planned. I want to go under the water. I want to go hiking, and she has things planned for us too. Jan is a member of the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association, and here on Big Blend Radio, we love to air our second Friday Iftwa shows, is what we call them, the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. We call it Iftwa. Um, it's a great organization. Uh, you know, this is a great place for. CVBs and visitor bureaus and uh, meeting and uh, travel planning destinations organizers to go to ifwtwa.org to learn more and find and connect with travel journalists and photographers and writers. And it's also a great resource for journalists to get involved and even cookbook authors. Anybody that has anything to do with food, wine, travel should go there. Uh, so again, it's ifwtwa.org. And every second Friday here on Big Blend Radio, uh, you'll hear another interview with a travel writer. And these shows air at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can even listen when it's live or anytime after. Now, Jan, her articles and her travel adventures, you could go to neveroughtravel.com and on Facebook and Twitter under the same name as well. And she was back on our show about a year ago. I think it was a year, something like that. But it was in mm. 2017 talking about multi-generation travel planning. And I think she did it with this uh, next topic about the Caribbean islands as well. Jen, welcome back. How are you? Thank you. Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back um, on Big Blend Radio. Enjoy it. We're excited. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was a year ago, or it was just under that, I should say. And, I don't know. Uh, Where'd that time I, go? <laughs> I don't know. And when the more you travel, the more you don't know where you were when. <laughs> That's how That's it is. About right. That's right. I had a lot of travel in between those 365 days. <laughs> That's right. I know. Uh, but your article on multi-generational uh, travel planning, because I know we're in that season, spring, summer yeah. coming, um, is up on blendradioandtv.com, so people can see that there. Um, this article you talked about, the Caribbean islands, the ABC islands, so you can tell us what those are. Uh, your yeah. article on that is up on nationalparktraveling.com, especially since you went to some UNESCO World Heritage sites, and it will be featured in the June-July issue of Parks and Travel magazine. Uh, but it seems to me, Jan, that you have, uh, is it your hospitality background? Is it that you, you know, travel a lot with your family? That when you write articles about travel, I even see your posts all the time on social media, 
you tend to take in what other people can do. Um, it's like here, um, if I have someone in my family that wants to know more about history, here's the activity for them. Uh, but it seems like that's that's your your style of travel and writing is to find something for most people. Well, I do because I learn so much from others that I read their blogs and their travel mm -hmm. articles, and it gives me a great perspective other than just Googling the site. So mm -hmm. I enjoy getting the perspectives of other travelers through their, for, through their uh, travel blogs. And so I do write like that because I find it very mm -hmm. useful on my end to get a perspective. Um, and give some insight to where someone might be traveling and to things to do things that are not just the typical um, you know what you would what you would see Google five things to do on this particular island we like to as a family find things that are a little more unusual um, and uh, to your point we have uh, some in the family that are just those that love the water and some that don't so we always have to kind of have enough for both um, the what I call land lovers and the beach bums to just enjoy a trip like this awesome, awesome. I, think, I think that works also if you're a parent that you know um, you want to go here because of this but then the challenge is your child or children to make sure they also have a good time mm-hmm Yes, yes, absolutely. And as I mentioned in our in the first article on multi-generational travel, it is important if you're traveling with family. Now, now my family's uh, grown, and but when we were making decisions when they were little and didn't have as strong a voice, we still asked, what would you guys like to do? Um, mm -hmm. And we would take that all into consideration. And then, of course, my husband and I would make the decisions. <laughs> but mm -hmm. we still took into consideration because the one thing you want to do is just have a great family experience where you know whether they're grown or whether they're um, you know still at home with you uh, so you just take everybody's opinion into consideration when you're traveling with them and it's interesting too with kids because you start to find out what their interests are and what and they start to discover who they are through travel you know so that's a yeah. special family bonding moment and mm -hmm. everyone's interests do change over the years but something you said that was very interesting to me is like how not just Googling the sites, but looking at what other writers, uh, their experiences and bloggers. And I think that's something very important about the role of travel writing is that you see things in a, in, in a different perspective. I know um, mm -hmm. with our travels and going, you know, on media trips, sometimes the, you know, the CVB people or, you know, um, it, we don't call them CVBs anymore. What's that word? I always forget they're, about They're really tourism management. bureaus. Yeah, 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 destination management organizations or DMOs. Yeah, there we go. Yes, yeah. I know. DMOs. Yeah, we'll just yeah. call it. Yeah, it's, it's better than the DMV, okay? But, uh, yeah. but, but that's the thing now. It's like sometimes when you're in your own community, you start to not take things for granted. I don't want to say that, but you see things in a specific way. And yeah. sometimes when we go in, just going around with them and wanting to see something that's not always on their rack card has changed your mind. And I think this is the power of travel writers and bloggers and photographers and authors that we're not just showing a place from a different perspective to you know, potential travelers, but we're also reminding people in their own communities what they have. You know, when we see an article go up, a local community will be like, oh, they were written about, and it will entice people um, that haven't been back to their hometown to go back home, that kind of thing. Have you seen that happen with your writing? Yes, I have both, you know, in reading and, and then also my own is, uh, you know, I live in a, in a tourism region here in Temecula, California. And 
Um, I enjoy the articles that are put up that are more unusual articles uh, because we know we have our, our, our kind of regular neighborhoods that people visit, our, our old town mm -hmm. and our wine country, but it, there's so much more to any given um, tourism you know, destination. There's just so much to do. And that's where that power of uh, the written word from somebody's first person perspective is so helpful because um, it's not just the, the boilerplate, what do you do in that particular destination? Um, so that's mm -hmm. kind of where my article came from on the ABC Islands is to just is please everyone that was on, on the, the trip with us, um, but also explore some things that were a little more unusual. I'm excited about this because I, I'll be honest, half of the things you were talking about, I had no idea about. Especially that tugboat oh, going under and, and snorkeling. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, you taught, I was like, and it was such a fun read and easy and yeah, let's go. You know, this is, it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so the ABC Islands. So let's talk about where the Caribbean is because, you know, it's like when you look at the map, sometimes like it's like really look, get a globe, everyone, because the world is round. I just want to make that point. Are you still yes. saying that? <laughs> <laughs> we need to. It's a need. It's a need. It's, it's a reality. We still have to say. But uh, tell us where Funny. the Caribbean islands are. I'm not, I'm not being, you know, ignorant here, but we have to think about yeah. where it is, where the best, how, how to get there, and uh, where the ABC islands are, because these are three specific islands. Right. And the Caribbean really consists uh, of many different parts because there's a northern, there's a southern, and really the western, and that's where we visited. We have in the past visited these, those other two areas, but we left out of um, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and we traveled uh, just alongside the coast of Cuba. We could actually see it uh, from a distance, we, and so we passed Cuba and headed towards Venezuela. And so these islands uh, that are really close to each other, um, they're about 880 miles south of Florida's western coast. Uh, it took us uh, two days to get there. Now they were taking their time to get there because if they really wanted to. I believe they could probably get there quicker, but it was an eight-day cruise. And so, um, you know, there was travel time on sea, which was uh, just a whole other story altogether at another time, just a very, very exciting time to be on the sea. But we were able to see islands all the way down um, our trip mm -hmm. for the most part. Uh, so uh, the first island we arrived at was Aruba. It's the most, it's the northernmost um, of those islands, but all of them are no more than about 30 miles apart from each other, the three. Oh, wow. And they just, they sit kind of independent from a lot of the other Caribbean, which is northern and, um, and southern. Mm. Uh, so we were very, very close off the Venezuelan um, coast, about only 17 miles uh, when we were in um, Carousel. So you can actually see uh, that coast um, from some of the things that we did, one of the hikes that we did. Um, so, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, from Aruba, I, sh I should say. So uh, these islands, like I said, are more Western, and they're considered part of the Western um, uh, Caribbean. It, and so you've got Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, right? Because I want to make sure Curacao, I don't say yes. this. Yes. Curacao, I'll get yeah. there, I'll get there. Yeah. Curacao. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you said that, you know, it's, um, there's a very, like, when we were looking at your photos, um, and everyone, you can go to nationalparktraveling.com, just type in Jan Smith in the search box, and you'll see the, the article and her beautiful photos, too, and it um, looks very Dutch, and, and um, 
it, it reminds me of some of the places we were in in South Africa uh, with with some of the architecture and just just the vibe of it all actually just looks so laid back and fun like it kind of reminds me of the Cape area mm-hmm. and uh, just very beautiful but one of the things that what I found very interesting when you were talking about it, it's a Creole based language there in that area and the um, when we were in Louisiana in Natchitoches we went to a museum and it was they were all about preserving the Creole heritage and actually that whole area is just I mean it's it's fascinating and we were talking with it was a, the Creole Heritage Society I don't want to get mm-hmm. it wrong but we were sitting with them and, and finding out just what is Creole you know there's Cajun and Creole and they're mm-hmm. like there's Creoles around the world and mm-hmm. we're like oh everyone just thinks it's here in Louisiana or just in New Orleans which isn't true but right. they gave us a magazine I still have it to this day and the Caribbean was in there, and I was like, I had no idea, you know, just how far this extends out. And it's because of how people traveled and, and slavery. Uh, that's the sad and slavery, part of it. right? Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, the history is just fascinating. Well, the and the and the islands themselves have an interesting history. Um, I don't write about it, but just in in doing some research uh, before going, uh, at one point it was under Spanish rule, and then the Dutch um, uh, became around the 1600s. Um, uh, really, kind of came into power, and that's where it's it stands, and that's where you'll see that Dutch-looking uh, uh, architecture. In fact, um, when we first arrived, uh, it was overnight, and we you know, got up in the morning and looked outside and, and I say that I think I went to sleep and ended up, um, you know, in the Netherlands <laughs> because <laughs> this was, this was that type of architecture. And so their, their um, national language between the three islands is Papimanto. And it's a combination really of five different um, uh, dialects. It's Spanish, Portuguese, African, Dutch and Arawak Indian, which is the indigenous um, Indian to all three islands. Um, wow. So it does have such an interesting history, um, of which I didn't have the opportunity to write about in this article, but there is just very, very interesting history there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, although that is widely used, and we heard that um, being used on all three islands, um, it really, English was widely um, spoken as well. So it was very easy to communicate with the locals um, in each one of the three islands. That explains a lot for me, even in South Africa, because the mm-hmm. languages, uh, and for the African side, it's normally Swahili is the main thing, but it changes and wherever you are. Um, that's your main strain, right? It, wouldn't you say, Nancy? Mm-hmm. For Kenya, Africa, Swahili was the main thing, but in uh, South Africa, Zulu and Kosa, yeah, it but it's Zulu, still a diet. Yeah. It's, it's still a strain of Swahili, and um, it, it's interesting because even now, we, we were just talking this on the show with mm-hmm. Gabrielle uh, Ivino, who write, writes about she's an Italian uh, interpreter. I was saying, well, some of the words in, in Italian are the same in Spanish, mm-hmm. and yeah. when we were living in Mexico. I kept going Dutch when I'm trying to learn Spanish or Mexican, and it's because they had the same words. And it's it, when you mm-hmm. look at you know the, the Romantic languages, you know, or the the Latin-based ma- uh, yeah. languages, you get Portuguese in there and Spanish and Dutch. I mean, mm-hmm. all of it connects in this way. Mm-hmm. It's it's confusing to someone like me. <laughs> I was really good at language when right, I was a kid. You're trying to learn, yeah. but it's fascinating because it yeah. it shows that we're all connected in some way you know we've all traveled mm-hmm. and we're an international society and it's like it's yeah. really to me fascinating but let's uh, let's start in Aruba because 
So this yes. Aruba, now, when, you know, as soon as I see the word Aruba, or the name Aruba, I think of Kokomo. Yeah, <laughs> so the be to Aruba, Jamaica. Yeah. Ooh, I want to take you. Yeah. Well, all of us did. <laughs> I think we were humming. I think we were humming it from the moment we woke up. That's, <laughs> that's it. Funny. That's it. So this is the northernmost one, and uh, so you yeah. stop there. And so you talk about, you know, so did you spend the night? That's what I was going to say. Do you stay on the ship? Because I know this was part of a cruise that you went on. Mm -hmm. um, did you? Like how much, before we get into the islands, did you say, okay, I want to stay on the island this X amount of time? Or did, when you planned the cruise, you, you know, because I remember when we went to the Bahamas, we went in on those little cruises and it's like, you're allowed off the, off, you know, onto the island for like three or four hours. And mm -hmm. that was really bad because they have Bahama mamas <laughs> on both sides. And, and the ones on the island were far better. Than the ones on and the then we didn't want to come back and they had live music. And it was like, uh-oh, mm -hmm. we almost missed the boat like literally yeah. almost yeah. every day we almost miss getting yeah. back on board. but so so when you're doing this yeah <laughs> tell us about making sure you don't <laughs> miss the ride back <laughs> or to the next island right well j just to step back a moment when we yeah. decide as a family we're uh, taking a cruise and and we have a, we have taken many cruises because it is just an economical way to take a, a you know a six seven family members with you um, but we are just as much about the location as we are the uh, uh, itineraries for, that they have, uh, you know, the stops and the time, because if we're going to be somewhere, we really want to absorb that um, particular yeah. location. Uh, and, and some cruises are limited three or four hours off, but all of these were about um, uh, eight hours. And so we got off first thing. We were right down at the gangplank ready to get out. And uh, we weren't back on until we probably heard one of the horns honk, <laughs> uh, you know, go and say, it's time to get mm -hmm. back on the ship. Um, hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about committing to you from day one. Body Armor's got you and here to help you commit to your fitness goals. Buy any Body Armor products at your local store and Body Armor will give you 50% cash back to put towards your fitness journey. Now through March 31st, commit to fit with Body Armor Sports Drink. Visit www.bacommittofit.com for full rules. And shop now at retailers nationwide. Hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about commitments. Setting your intentions, restarting your routine, and committing to you from day one. Body Armor Light, the low-calorie, zero-sugar-added sports drink. Shop now at Walmart. But we, we are very... Um, uh, careful about you know planning it that way because you you really want to have some time to immerse yourself. Uh, but mm -hmm. each night we get back on and Princess Cruises just does an amazing um, job at their itineraries. Uh, we've used um, that line to go to Alaska and they did the same thing, just giving you enough time to to let you explore where you're at. Uh, and because of that, in each one of the three islands, we rented a car, which was a little exciting in itself because. Some of them were uh, manual, not automatic. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah. Just, oh, and many of us remember how to do that. I, it's funny. That's how I learned to drive. And then also had to learn automatic. And now oh, I don't yes, think you want to yes. see me drive a manual. That's wow. dangerous. Well, yes. Well, there was a lot of stalls. <laughs> oh, and were you on the same side of the street? What? Yeah. What? Yes, okay, all of these. Yeah, yes, all of, of these ride on the same side of the on on the well, right side. Well, that's good. You had that on yeah. your side at least. So that helps. Yes. When you when you start going uphill and you have to stop, 
Yeah, yeah. you're using the punch <laughs> and you haven't used it for a while. There's right. that, uh-oh. uh-oh. And, you, yeah. and then hey. someone goes right up by, behind you and yeah. you're like, don't do that, don't man. Do I'm going to slide right back. <laughs> well, thankfully, wow. for the most part, these islands are flat. There were some areas like in Aruba. We, we went on, on a hike to Hreiberg. A mountain uh, and it did you know involve mostly flat to get to it and then there was a little bit of off-roading to get to an area where we could start the climb um, but most of the islands are, are relatively flat but we did have a few stalls and and there was some point we had to pull over and my husband had to get out and my son-in-law who drives a, an, um, a manual got in and stepped up and and took us the rest of the way. So uh, that that's the, the beauty of having grown children and and, uh, and spouses with us now. <laughs> yeah, that it, it changes up. It's like okay, we're going to share duties now. Okay, that's yeah, it's our yeah. turn to sit in the back seat, and you guys can take care of this. But this was when you're getting to the summit. Okay, this was 587 yeah. steps. The first thing Nancy and I noticed, oh, we're like, dude, yeah. that's like that's a lot of stuff. yeah. You guys are oh, fit, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, took me out. You had cactus. It looks like organ pipe cactus. It, it almost looked like yeah. here with an ocean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was really thing. interesting because all the islands, um, a portion of them are very arid, um, and then a mm-hmm. portion are very lush. It's a really an interesting, um, uh, you know, uh, it's not just all tropical. And so in this case, um, uh, we we were taking a hike up a, a mountain, and it was it was a very steep climb um and also decline on the other end uh mm. but there were there were there were stairs they didn't have rails they don't actually have the same kind of uh safety oh. precautions that the united states may have yeah. so mm. there were times that we were like okay we gotta we gotta just be really careful here uh but there were a yeah. lot of places we could stop and take in the view um mm. but uh yes there there was a lot of cactus and uh they had these beautiful trees called the DVDV trees, and they are windblown, so they're all uh, kind of oh. bent over, um, uh, and they're just beautiful. Uh, but that hike was challenging, I will say, but it was worth it because uh, when we got to the top, there are um, uh, antennas and uh, things to that nature at the very top, and uh, you, if you get away from that, you'll actually be able to see the Venezuelan coast. Um, so it was a little bit cloudy for us, but we still could see in the faint distance. Um, mm-hmm. It's only 17 miles, up, you know, across the sea from where we were. So that was, that was beautiful. That, that's important. Yes, goats. lots of goats. Lots but of not, goats. When you say mountain goats in your article, you're not talking about like the mountain goats we'd see like in the Mount Rainiers or like in the Rockies, no, right? No, these, these are, they have wild goats and donkeys on all three islands. Awesome. <laughs> I want to go just these for that. Goats. <laughs> and, oh. you know, they, they stayed in the distance. They were, they were not friendly goats. They weren't coming towards you, but uh, they, they're just all up in, uh, up on the hillside and uh, that's their home. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the view from the top of, um, Huiberg Mountain is just gorgeous. It's a 360 degree view. You've got the cities, uh, or the towns, I should say, on one side, the ocean, uh, on the other. It's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I would wow, I encourage everyone who goes there, get away from the ocean for a moment and go up and spend a couple hours on that hike. Cause it's, you, well, number one, you're going to feel like Rocky when you get to the top, put your hands up. I did it. 
yes. And then you have to go down, and your legs are all shaky. Yeah, yeah, you're shaky. So did okay. Walking sticks is a good idea. That's walking sticks always help. But did you have a cocktail at the end? I want to know that because I know there's tiki bars, right? No. Well, there weren't any around because um, this mountain stands pretty much uh, in the middle of the island, and the island is not that big. It's only about uh, six miles wide. 19 miles long. It's not a very big island. It's about 70 miles um, or square miles in its whole. So, um, but it does sit in the middle of that. And uh, so there was nothing. There was no water. We went into the town and found a little, uh, what I would equate to, uh, you know, like a drugstore, a CVS or something like that. And they had some, some uh, water and, and everything. So with the, the Tiki Cut Hut uh, came later. <laughs> Okay, so that was a little bit. That was a little bit later. <laughs> okay, but it's though. still on the same island. There's tiki bars. Okay, yes, so that's good. Yes. And you said that you could have drinks served in pineapple, in a pineapple yeah. or in a coconut shell. See, that is something. Yes. That's one of those iconic things that you must do. But you have to do that. Yes, you have you to do it. And they're yes. all they're all along. They're just littered along, littered in the right way. Uh, just placed all along the beaches, and it's just individuals who set up shop. Uh, they bring in the cool. coconuts, the pineapples. They set up their the little liquor stand there, and they have themselves a tiki bar ready to go. <laughs> That's a free market yeah. system it, for you. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. taking you know, doing business class and economics, and when I was high school, and they always talked about it's the free. And this was in Africa, and it was like the, the professor I had. He was like, it's the free market system. And every time, like, you know, and, and Africa had a free market system. You could set up That's shops sure. anywhere. And, yeah. you know, we always think about America, the land of opportunity. I want to say go to Africa. It is the free market system. You can have a tiki bar, too. And that's what it sounds like, <laughs> which is awesome. I mean, I love that. Right. I think there should be tiki bars everywhere. Little, everywhere. You know, yes. 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 You know, and the ice cream vendors. I see when you see um, – the ice cream vendors where people are pushing the, the yeah, cart, the, the ice cart, cream cart yeah. and stuff. I oh, I love that. Okay, so you've, you've done the mountain, but for those yes. who want to go and hang out at the beach, you said snorkel at Eagle Beach. Yes, this is, it was beautiful. And I, and I did, yeah, I did take a lot of tips from uh, writers to find out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what beach can my uh, non- uh, water loving husband be at that has a palapa that he can be in shade <laughs> and mm-hmm. eagle eagle beach was the answer um he's our stuff watcher that's that's he's that's the resident stuff watcher so while the rest of us are in the water uh he is the individual who watches our stuff and he's really that's good at cool. it <laughs> you were um, one of those yeah yes <laughs> yeah like he that. does not like the water <laughs> But uh, Eagle Beach is just absolutely beautiful. It's, it was named to TripAdvisor's um, Best Five Beaches in the World and National Geographic's 24 Best Spots in the Caribbean. So you know it's nice, and it's just yeah. this beautiful um, azure blue waters and uh, very, very calm waters. And so you can swim out, and uh, it's not too deep, but there are reefs out there and, and live coral, a lot of dead coral, unfortunately. Um, but a lot of live coral and a lot of sea life. Um, so uh, it's just beautiful. But there are so many beaches along the, uh, the Ruby, uh, Ruby coast. Um, Palm Beach is another one that uh, has more um, activity going on. This one is uh, a more of a quiet beach. 
Um, but they have a little stand there if you wanted to rent um, a um, stand-up paddle boat or, uh, you know, gear if you didn't want to bring it yourself. We always bring our own gear when we go on these cruises to the Caribbean. So, um, wow. yeah, we just always brought our own. But but uh, they made it very easy for the visitor if you didn't bring anything mm-hmm. to be able to get all geared up and get into the water. So the water oh, was warm. It was like a bathtub. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's so clear. I, yeah. I love it. You know, I think everybody back east wants it. <laughs> With all these snowstorms <laughs> we've had over this year. Uh, so, That's exactly uh, right. Okay. You go from the A to the C. So say it again. Yeah. I don't know Martin why. Already. How do you carousel. say carousel? Carousel. Carousel. Yeah. I think okay. So like carousel. It might, it might like, pronounce okay. it different. Yeah. But it's carousel. Yeah. And it's, it's I very I think of close. that blue cocktail stuff. Caracara. Well, that's actually where, what they're known for. It's, it's produced on the island. So um, you're exactly right. That's, they but have, I've been they saying have distilleries there. <laughs> well, a lot of people say it, um, Caraco. But yeah, it is it. actually, yeah, it is actually pronounced carousel. Um, in um, Papamiento. <laughs> so do you know where the blue comes from? What is that? Huh. Well, we we did not go on a tour there, so I don't okay. know. Okay. Um, so unfortunately, I can't share that with you because I just am not aware of it. But you'll have uh, to go back then. <laughs> that's Maybe right. To, that's right. It's, it's to showcase their blue. You their know, blue water. Waters. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's gonna yes. Be about the I know it. Blue yeah. So this yes. is where you went to the UNESCO World Heritage Site, and yes. that was a, the city of Willemstadt. I can do that. Yes, yes. you <laughs> say it beautifully. That's my Afrikaans and, in me, South African. <laughs> yeah. And oh my gosh, and that was such a beautiful town. There's so much to see there. Um, there, uh, you know, we rented a car. We were able to drive through the town. Uh, see their beautiful, beautiful homes that they have restored. Um, and I, I, I say that it was cotton candy colors. Every one was just these brilliant, beautiful uh, colors and a lot of gingerbread um, um, design around them. Um, very mm-hmm. colonial, I suppose, looking and, and just absolutely beautiful. And so that was just part of the exploration is just to drive and see these beautiful homes. Um, but not only that, uh, that town also has the floating market um, mm. where the Venezuelan fishermen come through and they bring their goods and they, uh, they are able to moor inside of one of the canals and they're selling the most beautiful, brilliant uh, and unusual vegetables and fruit and, uh, and fish. And so uh, that was just that was just fantastic to just see the city. And a lot of people come off the cruise and just walk right through from the cruise um, port to Willemstad and they just enjoy that for a day. But there's so much more to do on Carousel. Oh, man. I want to go on the floating market. I love markets. I think it's, you know, it's so important. And the more you have farmers, market, you've got to have good farmers markets in Temecula. That's got to be. We do. We wineries do. Wineries yes. all those amazing yes. organic farms in your backyard and cheese makers. Yes. And, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We're, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, what is, what's up with these caves? You went into caves, these limestone caves. Yeah. That's got to, that is always neat. It's like it just is a different world. You know, yeah, and there. a lot of times, you know, we've done a lot of these um, different exploring caves on other islands, but they were 
um, almost felt a little lower, um, at, at least at sea level. These were all, um, it took a climb of several hundred stairs to get to the opening of the cave. And um, so it was a little bit warmer than, you know, often you'll go into a cave and it's very cool. Um, but these caves were not. These were warm and they were, they were uh, up above sea level. Um, but uh, they have uh, not always been opened for a while. They, the the um, island closed them and they had to do some work inside of them before they could open them up to visitors. So we were very fortunate to be able to visit them. Mm. But they, they actually, in early days, days uh, of slave trade, which is, you know, a more, I, I'd say, a kind of a darker history to this mm -hmm. beautiful island. Um, but it, uh, a, slaves would escape and they would use these caves as places to live for months on at, at a time. Wow. And wow. so, uh, you know, they were kind of had a utilitarian, utilitarian purpose at some point in, in history. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now they're just beautiful and um, uh, you can go through. They, they've got them very nicely organized. They, they, you must go in with a tour guide uh, because Good. they are very protective of these. They do not let you take pictures. Um, oh. except for one area, they, uh, they're just very protective about these because they had some issues with deterioration and they, they want to be able to preserve these mm. for years to come. But, uh, even before Europeans arrived and slaves arrived, um, in Carousel, these, uh, caves were used by the, uh, Arawak Indians for shelter. And there oh. are cave drawings and petrographs. Uh, we saw oh, wow. them both outside and I think they pointed out some inside uh, but we actually saw them on the exterior because there's an area to walk around once you come out of the cave and uh, so it's really uh, uh, you know uh, an area that's probably well over 1500 years old um, mm -hmm. uh, that has been established and preserved by uh, the government there so that is definitely a, something to do that's very different than being in the water and absolutely worth, you know, putting on your itinerary if you're going to visit Carousel. You know, I think the, these islands, the history is just so, I mean, it is a, it's a, it's a, it's, you know, a kitchen pot of everything. It's just like it the is. Creole language. You know, that's what they were saying in Louisiana. Yes. We've got everything in there, man. We got the kitchen mm -hmm. sink and, and we have a good time with it. And I think, when you go to islands, and I wonder, you know, I know there's the weather, there's the ocean. I always wonder about the, you know, when you're that close and that connected to the ocean, there's a rhythm that you go to. You know, there's just that calming mm -hmm. rhythm. The ocean is calming, even though it can get, you know, the weather can get weird. And yes, there's hurricanes and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, you know, there's such a history of good and bad happening and pirates and, you know, they these islands got it. I mean, any coastal community has history of people like, hey, I'm going to come over here, land here, dock here, and take it over. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like the history right. is always so fascinating to me. And it's mm -hmm. um, coastal communities seem to, I think in a way, they are very aware of their history, but there's this, there's always that darker side. But I think the, yes. this calmer rhythm kind of it brings unity. You know, there's a unity in these coastal communities. There's this relaxing mm. vibe that I don't think you can get that mad all the time, you know, even though we have sports <laughs> and things. You know what I yeah. mean? There's a, yeah, yeah you can yeah. back in the day. 
But well, the, if, oh, when we get when we get to talking to Bonnell, though, there is some interesting um, history on on some of that. What we're talking, what you're talking about. So we'll talk yeah. about it in a moment. I'm certain. Yeah. But uh, yes, and and getting in the water there, uh, you know, that's what you do when you go to the Caribbean because it's just clear, beautiful. Sure. Um, some of the some of the places we went to had over a hundred feet of clear view down you know um down to mm. the down to the bottom i mean that that's unheard that's of a, a, on our coast for sure uh, but um yeah so yeah. the carousel area just has it has more to offer than just swimming in the ocean and that's what membership fees apply after free trial cancel any time can i be real for a second that goal you have to exercise and eat better you really can do it but nobody is going to do it for you and nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Uh, for me, was one of my favorite islands out of the three, I, because there was just yeah. so many different things to do there. And so now you said in the ocean and getting in there, the thing yeah. that tripped me out was the sunken tugboat and all the fish. I mean, it was like, this, so cool. this is crazy. And so this hasn't been open that long for people and, and it hasn't been known about for a while, right? Well, this was one of those golden gems I found on somebody's blog. And uh, we we have done this in many of the islands. We'll go into a restaurant. We'll go into a gift shop. We'll ask if there's a dive that is that we can reach from the shore. And I'm not mm-hmm. to take anything away from you know wonderful um, uh, uh, individuals that have tours that will take you out on a boat and take you mm-hmm. to a sunken um, a sunken ship. But uh, for families, it's, you know if you can let, if you can accomplish that from the shore, sometimes it's even better. And I read on someone's blog about this sunken um, uh, tugboat. And of course, that was it. We were going to do that. <laughs> that was my boat. Awesome. Uh, and we, uh, mm. we would have never found it if it were not for reading someone's blog who gave us um, or gave uh, the reader a, a description on how to find it because it was on no map, no GPS yes. map. Uh, it was not easy to find. And, and in fact, as we were driving and making our lefts and rights and, and you know, they, the blog would tell you when you pass this landmark, make a right. It wasn't there, make a left on this sign or light. These were just landmarks. And we really did think we were lost, but we persevered and we, we came to this very unique uh, location. Um, and uh, it, uh, it uh, had a bar and grill that was right out of what I called Gilligan Island. <laughs> it was funky, but it, uh, you know, and, and they had somebody working this little bar and grill, and they actually had a little dive shop there that was closed um, at the time, but I think it's kind of an emerging uh, tourist spot, so if, hmm. if somebody comes back there, it might be much more developed as time goes on and more people know about it. Uh, but sure enough, you could you could um, enter the water, 
and uh, swim about 150 yards. Um, and you just swam uh, until, you know, the, again, this blog said, okay, this is which direction you head. And uh, when you hit the end of a dock, you kind of veer to the left. And sure enough, uh, those directions were perfect, not only getting us there, but then getting us out in the water and telling us where it's located. Because if we didn't have that, that's an awfully big ocean to try to hunt down, wow. um, you know, a sunken ship, right? Uh, but mm. sure enough, yeah, it was about 15 feet below um, the, uh, uh, you know, below the waterline. It was uh, just uh, perfectly intact. Uh, the fish just were enjoying swimming in and out. Uh, you, if your ears didn't bother you, you could get all the way down and actually get some wonderful pictures of the, um, you know, the ship itself. Uh, and the fish were in abundance. Uh, we just saw such beautiful, colorful fish there. And it was, it was one of the highlights of our trips for sure. That's awesome, man. What a fish, different thing to be able to do. I know. I want to go do it because you always think you have to go way off in the boonies of the water, like or way you have off. To scuba yeah. Dive. yeah, you have yeah. to be, you know, certified and all, all this that. stuff. And mm -hmm. so to be able to go and see this and the fish are obviously just thriving there and coral and it just looks so beautiful. And it's like, mm. I want to do that. You know, that is super cool. So the other thing about Curacao that I think is so cool is that you did a, you participated in Peck for a Purpose. And Yes. I think there's always something about when there's about um, when you travel to be a good traveler, right? And when you can yeah. give back to a community just as much as the destination gives you these lifelong memories, that is an yeah. amazing thing. So tell us about this organization. It's awesome. Yeah, and I just recently found this um, uh, this year, actually. I, I had never... Um, uh, known about this organization, but on every one of our trips, since uh, our children were small enough to understand what giving really meant, we would connect somehow with the organization or the um, area we were going. And we would, we, you know, it's actually relatively easy to do even before the internet was available uh, to just find an organization that we, as uh, our family, could deliver something to them. And uh, so we've been doing that really forever. And I can remember my kids when they were really small, they'd bring little pink backpacks filled with school supplies. And I can remember one time in one little island dropping it off at a at a drop station. And, um, you know, our kids just they understood what giving was. And it's because it gives you another perspective. Uh, these islands, some of them are not um, as wealthy as others. And so uh, there, you know, there's um, uh, always an opportunity to make some place you're visiting um, better, and those individuals receiving your gift um, realize that it's coming from somewhere else. So I do think it's important, and I somehow stumbled upon Path for a Purpose online, and it's a wonderful organization. Um, they make it very simple if you go to their website, which is pathforapurpose.org. Uh, they make it very, very simple to select your destination. Uh, they have, I think, over 60 countries that they, uh, they service. Uh, you select a destination, and um, they give you options within that destination to deliver whatever it is that you want to contribute to a local hotel, and the hotel then uh, takes the, the items to the, to the um, uh, recipients. And that is because there's a, I, I actually spoke to the owner 
a pack for a purpose. Mm. I asked, why is that? And she said, in today's world, we really need to protect um, many of these are orphanages with young children, um, and we need to protect them. So there is a drop-off point um, that you, 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 you know, leave your items with, uh, and they make sure that they get that to, um, to the um, recipients. And it's a very easy way to uh, just pack an extra suitcase. That's what we did. Uh, we wheeled it right off the cruise ship, and we wheeled it right over to the hotel uh, on Carousel, and um, it just made it very easy for us to uh, deliver items that we knew were going to go to um, orf- orphanages. So we selected a hotel that supported five orphanages, uh, and that was our choice. But uh, at Carousel, there were three uh, opportunities, three different hotels supporting three different um, um, segments uh, of recipients, and so we had our choice. Um, but each one of the each one of the islands had those opportunities. Uh, we just chose this particular one; it just spoke to us. Um, so uh, it's very important because we, as travelers, I think we have to make it, as your point, meaningful uh, to not only uh, ourselves but where we're visiting and. Hmm. Pack for a Purpose is an amazing organization that is makes it very easy for you to do. I love this because hmm. we talk a lot about tourism and how responsible tourism. Uh, we have an article series on nationalparktraveling.com, and it's about the eight keys of excellence of tourism, but it's about putting the eye back into your community through responsible tourism. And mm-hmm. when you travel, you're this – you're – I mean, if people are all sitting in a tiki bar and they're the locals and you and maybe some other travelers, that's an immediate community just in that time mm-hmm. frame. And things can come mm-hmm. from that positive things. You never know who you're mm-hmm. talking with, right? Could yeah, end up being yeah. like, hey, this is a huge donor for your, your school or you never know, right? And so there's that immediate community that happens when it's responsible travel and a community can benefit through tourism responsible tourism we're talking about where it's, you're diving and hiking and yes have some tiki bar t- fun as well but they're and looking at historic sites and you know being able to see caves and but being doing that again where you're it's not a free-for-all where you can go in and damage them it mm-hmm. really does benefit a community if it is done in this responsible sustainable way so to me what you're talking about with this pack for a purpose is it's such a it's like hey we're here to support your community, and we're taking these amazing memories. We're not taking a piece of your cave back other than in a memory, yes. <laughs> a photograph, right? Um, right? And that's how it should be. And mm-hmm. I think it's both of them are everlasting things. These memories are long-lasting. It's something that moves on through generations, and the same thing for community accepting responsible tourism into it. Um, it's long-lasting for them on a financial side, and it helps them know we better build infrastructure, have another tiki bar over here, but which is good, but you know yes. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a way of right. building bridges, you know, leaving politics and governments out of it. It's a way mm-hmm. of communicating with another culture to say, hey, we're here and we want to be friends. We want to know about right. you. Uh, you want to know about us. It, yes. it, it's it's way, another language. Yeah, it's it's a way of uh, of going towards peace instead of the opposite way. Cool. Well, it does, and I think it just represents. You know, uh, we we made a note. Uh, they encourage you to uh, 
post a little note uh, where you're from. And so we, we did that. They'll know this is coming from the United States. I think it just represents the United States, even, yeah, as, yeah, you know, absolutely. individuals that was giving, uh, willing to give. And like I said, uh, the list of the destinations, um, you, you almost couldn't find something to do if you were traveling in the world. That's how far reaching this Pack for Purpose is. They just give me so many opportunities in different parts of the world to, to contribute. And it really wasn't very difficult to just pack up a separate suitcase and take that with us. So mm. it was good. It was also a highlight of our trip. <laughs> and good for kids to have that, you know, grow up into that kind of habit of travel, you know, of yes. having that mindset as, as they, you know, grow up and it's like, oh, we, we always do something like this. You know, it's always part of our mm -hmm. travel. You know, and you, I know the last time you were on the show and with your uh, previous article, you're talking about creating a budget. It, put that in your budget. It's part of it. Yeah. You know, you, maybe you have to skip the tiki bar on this night because you're giving something <laughs> back, you know, and right. that's okay because that's a, this is another good thing that will last forever. Uh, lastly, on Curacao, you talked about Rifford Village. And so this was yes. like a fort. How cool. It is. And unfortunately, the pictures didn't do it justice because, um, unfortunately, I just didn't have, you know, just to, couldn't capture it all. But it is this. He was what, at a tiki bar I, the whole time. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay, the truth comes out. Yeah, <laughs> you know that island rum. <laughs> hey, um, we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, the Rifford, um village, it, they they could have easily uh, just um, uh, taken that village at our fort, the older fort, and destroyed it. And you know uh, what's the saying? Uh, Pave paradise and put up a parking lot. They could have done yes. that but they didn't on this island and they took this beautiful uh kind of just the bones of an old fort from the 1800s called Riff Fort and therefore the the name Rifford Village and they turned it into um a tourism spot but um really for local business uh and uh they still have can cannons that you can see original cannons the original seawall which at one point would have been a protective seawall uh, from intruders, no doubt, um, and uh, it's filled with uh, restaurants and retail. Uh, there are surrounding areas, uh, hotels, and it's it's a nice place to go at the end of the day. Um, mm. And they had tiki bars, but they were much just much more sophisticated. Uh, <laughs> they really weren't called tiki bars, but they were bars. <laughs> okay, yeah, right, uh, right. Yeah. Yes. Like get your it. get your rum fix on. I think that's great room for you. Yeah. Yeah, everybody wants to have the the time to go and do a little shopping, and uh, sure. I know like Nancy sure. and I in the Bahamas. Um, yeah, it supports a lot of local people. Exactly. Yeah, it does. Exactly, yeah. and it's yeah. better to get it there than you know online. Yeah. Then, just yeah. there's nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 good to do it there. So now Bonaire. Uh, this is, I was going to say, it's the Prince of Bonaire. Uh, yes, <laughs> um, this is, this is neat. Uh, so you said this is laid back. This is a laid back time, but this yeah. is the one that also has that history. You know, we were talking about the slave history and, and you went to mm -hmm. some slave huts there. Mm. And that reminds us of this place in South Africa. It's called, it's in, in the Cape, in the Dehoop area. It's on the, um, it's the Western Cape, but a little east of Cape Town. And mm -hmm. um, it, this is an area you'll see great white sharks is where people dive. It's near Stellenbosch oh. uh, wineries and all that. It's, it's a beautiful area. Paternoster is one of the mm. 
these little cottages that look almost identical to what you saw over in mm -hmm. Bonaire. I mean, I'll yeah. have to dig up photos somewhere, and we have slides and stuff with, in boxes. Oh, but love to see. But, I mean, they, I'll, I'll look it up online. <laughs> and when yeah. we were there, I mean, there was these sand dunes, and it yeah. just seems really similar because you had salt pans, but they had these big yeah. sand dunes. And we saw ostrich walking down the sand dunes. We've been in areas where you could see a lion and, and an ostrich, but this had ostriches. And in the bushes, they had these little canary birds in the mm. sand dunes in these bushes. Well, they were actual canaries. Yeah, they were canaries. And the plants, I mean, canaries. They, they, Real canaries. canaries yeah, like from the Canary Islands. Yeah, that's like where canaries come from in yeah. South Africa. And the and Canary Islands, the, right? The, yes, but also the bush that they were hiding in was called Canary the Bush. Yeah. Interesting. And when you mm -hmm. go up in the same area, it's the garden route. This is the garden route of South Africa. And you can take a train through it, and it'll take you through, like, the Sitsikama Forest fields of proteas that are on mm. top. And you look down, and then there's this rugged coastline. I mean, it's, this is probably the, one of the craziest places of just crazy cool. Like, you would love it. Like, reading this wow. article, you need to go. Jan, this oh, is my goodness. Telling uh oh, you, I'm gonna, there's, that there's, might just be the next trip. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. But these cottages, you know, just... This is where the real, uh, the, they have the tip of South Africa or the tip of Africa, and we did that. But um, this is the true, they always say Vasco da Gama went there. This is where Vasco da Gama landed in South Africa, and that's, this brings in your Portuguese history. And this was mm -hmm. the real site in Cape of Gullish and all that area. Mm -hmm. And there is just something, these slave huts in Louisiana, we saw a lot of those too. And um, it's just it just is like, I think it's so important that we have them, that they remind people, Yes, you know, yes. it's an important side. Yeah, I think it's a stark reminder. I, I We had traveled to um, Charleston and uh, mm. went to one of the, went to one of the beautiful plantations. And of course they had, um, you know, a whole section of slave huts there too. And, uh, you know, you stand back and you just can't, you can't help but be moved to realize this is a reality of our history um, and it's not going away. It, it is a reality. And I'm very glad they, they there in, in Charleston uh, area mm. kept those. And in this case too, because they could have taken them down. Um, but uh, the salt pans as well were just very unique. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, and I didn't know that, you know, they existed the way that they did to get, uh, sea salt. I, you know, we, we get it, we get it at the store and we say sea salt yeah. and there it comes from the sea, but to see it um, being uh, cured in different pans and different colors, um, uh, it was just really remarkable and coming on it down the, the one, one lane road uh, in the distance, you see something that really looks like, uh, you know, snow, <laughs> These yeah. things, mountains of snow and, and they're mountains of salt. Um, wow. But over time, uh, you know, it was slaves that, that worked in those pans and worked um, in, in uh, the processing of those, um, uh, the sea salt. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? 
you really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools, and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. And so they have these slave huts, and they really were simply used for um, some respite from the sun, uh, the, you know, the oppressive sun probably at times, but um, to sleep in, that's about how big they were for one or mm-hmm. two people. Um, they didn't have a whole lot going on there except for, you know, letting them sleep. In. And, and and there's some irony because it's it, at least the ones that we saw were on the shore of this pristine, bright blue, clear water. And it, there's just some irony there that just... Um, yeah. You know, that wasn't lost on us for sure to see those. Uh, but mm-hmm. the salt pans were something where, you know, we, we didn't ever see in the, in the past as well. And they're beautiful, uh, the way that they process them. And uh, Bonaire is known for uh, sea salt in, in their history. Um, and in fact, there are some uh, uh, tug of war on, on who the, the Span- Spaniards or the um, Dutch that were going to come in and, and because this island, that this was going to be a commodity for them was sea salt. Um, so there, from a history standpoint, uh, it was an interesting island as well. Uh, but yes, those slave huts or anywhere you can go and you see them and you really have to absorb that to know that's part of our history. That's just, uh, it's just a stark reminder. It is. That's all. Yeah. It, it's, it, yeah. It, it, I'm gonna have to go back on Paternoster now and, and dig up that information. I'll send you a link on that. They, but they were the, okay. um, called fishing cottages. Yeah, they're fishing cottages. But yeah, there's okay. something where, where you mm. see, I know that irony, like where you're talking about, um, and it's important. And and the salt, like the sea salt thing, I've never seen. I've seen sugar, the sugar mm-hmm. factories sugar and stuff, cane. and that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You can die, and people died in in <laughs> places in South Africa because they would do sugar cane. Uh, they were, I did a lot of that over there and I went to mm-hmm. the big factory and it's like people, I mean, you, I mean, it's, it's crazy, like a big silo kind of thing, but the salt, I was like, that's crazy. It, it's almost like hoodoos of salt, but there are different colors too. And that's, mm-hmm. it's neat. It's like, I've never, yeah. can you imagine the, the reflection coming off of something like that? It's wild. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and the colors. So uh, we went into um, town, and there was a, a company there that was selling the salt. We asked about the the colors of those pans, mm-hmm. and these are football size, maybe double football size, um, uh, you know, areas nice. that have cured salt, cured pans of different colors. And so there was one that was pink, a beautiful, a, 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 just mm-hmm. a beautiful hue of pink, and that is. Um, there's some algae in that that is is being cured through and it's the um it's the color of that it creates the 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 pink uh then there's they were some there were some that were green and some that were blue uh and then white it's just so interesting uh, we didn't have time to take any kind of uh, tour through the through the uh, salt mines. We had other things in mind there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're uh, on but... a schedule. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. on a schedule. Yes, I, I know. I know you're all, you're going to go back right already. <laughs> I mean, we're not done with this conversation, but I know you're no. going to go back. Um, so so okay. So we talked about uh, you, you're doing these stairs, right? <laughs> in Aruba, yes. all the yes. way on that big hike. 
But now what's up yeah. with this thousand step beach? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But see if I didn't read someone else's little tip to give me a tip to say there's really not a thousand steps because initially when I presented this to my family as some place we should go, not one said, yes, a thousand steps. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think at some point it might have been, but really it was just 70 steps to get from uh, this one lane uh, road uh, uh, which had easy parking off the off to the side down to the down to the beach, and uh, the beach was really unusual because it was not sand; it was broken coral. So uh, anyone Ooh. who didn't didn't know about this and didn't have water shoes, they were probably in a world of hurt. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it was beautiful. Uh, in, in some respects, un unfortunate, which means there's a lot of dead coral that's on on those mm -hmm. islands. But mm -hmm. uh, that that uh, that was probably the most pristine water I've ever seen, and certainly out of the three islands, Bonaire uh, is known for its diving and pristine waters, and uh, the the um, the clear uh, view of the water uh, was just remarkable, and we saw unusual uh, sea life there that we hadn't seen on the other two islands uh, when we went, uh, you know, snorkeling and diving. So uh, we saw a uh, more than one um, manta ray and sea turtles, and just uh, different fish that we hadn't seen at the others, and so. Uh, each one provided different things for us to see and enjoy, but this was by by far the most pretty island out of all three, and I think it's probably the most untouched. Um, as I mentioned, more laid back. The other ones were a little more commercialized, uh, where you'd see, um, you know, traditional or a, a common uh, uh, fast food restaurants on the other two islands. You didn't see that on Bonaire. It was mm. really the most authentic. Uh, Caribbean island of the three for sure and it's got flamingos I love that yes yes so it is That's known important. for the flamingos and not only at the sea salt pans there are flamingos there but there is an internal part of the island that has a lake a very large lake called go to island and uh, we took our drive uh, all the way around the island on a on a one-way one-way road. Oh, I love these one-way roads. <laughs> In a manual. Oh, my God. Nick Schiff yes, is going. You, yeah, that's right. That's right. And it went through towns, and it went through past uh, the go-to island where we pulled off, and we were able to look at uh, these just uh, flamingos out in the middle, beautiful pinks and reds, and, and we passed wild donkeys and goats, and uh, we went by, and people waved when you went by, and it was just... Yep. It was just such a great, it was great to be there at the last island because it was just a very laid back um, island and, and all three islands people were very friendly, but this one particularly was just so laid back that it was just an easy island to enjoy. Uh, but that, that. One, that, yeah, that mile, that one line went all the way around the whole island uh, and went past the salt mines and uh, the many different beaches, uh, not only the, the thousand step beach, but uh, others. And, you know, you just, your mouth drops when you see these waters that are just crystal clear blue uh, for the first time. They're just Amazing. beautiful. Awesome. That yeah. is awesome. And, and yeah. I, I love places mm -hmm. where you have that laid back feeling because sometimes in travel you get, you want to see all the sights that sometimes we get too rushed. You know, sometimes we lose that perspective mm -hmm. also of, of getting the vibe and you need to have those 
breaks of chill out, <laughs> just chill yeah. out, listen to some, <laughs> you know, good music and, and just chill out. You know, I love it because, you know, I, I hear about the islands. My mind goes, ooh, chill out on music. But um, the, I want to say, uh, you know, this conversation has been so fascinating, not only talking about the destination itself, these, the ABC islands of the Caribbean, but it just, it, it brings home this, this power of travel writing and travel journalism and photography, um, whether it's a blog or a book. Um, I think that that's the thing that's so key. And, and I always ask this on our, our IFTWA segments, our International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association segments, about the benefits of an organization like that. And just this conversation really puts it at the forefront that you have to have an organization where people can work together uh, because it, this is this global community getting the word out about these places that are helping these communities as well while providing these amazing, you know, memories we're talking about. But it really, I mean, when you think about it, this is one of those places where everyone can connect either, you know, the organizations, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, but this, I think it is really the power of the blogger, the writer, the photographer, the power of it is pretty big. Yeah, there's no question about it. And, and uh, to be an emerging writer like myself, to have that kind of community uh, with very seasoned writers and those like myself, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity for people to uh, connect with others. Um, and in mm -hmm. fact, uh, one of the blogs that I read was a, uh, an individual who had traveled to uh, Carousel and had written for Food, Wine, and Travel magazine. And I read an article there and uh, you know, I reached out to her. I'd never met her. Um, I noted that she was a, a fellow ITWA member and we started a conversation about several things. So uh, it is a, it's, it's actually a larger community, but it's, it can be small if you'd like it to be and, yeah. and you know, able to really connect with someone else about writing um, and their, their own experiences. I just think they're so authentic, um, it, you know, if mm. they're traveling uh, and, and they want to be authentic, they can. And I, I think that's the beauty of it. I agree with you wholeheartedly about travel writers and uh, photographers because you're really just getting somebody's personal perspective. Um, mm. And it's going to be so different than your own. Um, mm. But I just think it opens your eyes to what's out there in the world for sure. Yeah. yeah you know, there's so many places to go and so many things to do. It's really good to have someone point you in the right direction. And I would say, if you're going to take the time and money to go somewhere, you you really need to make the most of the time you spend there. Yeah, read articles before yeah. you go. Yeah. Really? And, mm -hmm. and that's the thing, too. You know, travel writers do communicate with each other. We always talk about that. Mm -hmm. when, once you've been to a place, you almost become this ambassador for these destinations Absolutely. we've traveled and visited. And not mm -hmm. only do we tell the general public, but we're telling other travel writers who then start doing the exact same thing. So it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. I mean, that's what it's, it's, it's very, very powerful. And I'm so glad you came back on the show and, and yes. you know, taught us about Thank this. You. Now I'm, I, I want to go swimming. <laughs> I don't know if the weather's ready for me. I mean, we are in the desert that, here, but I want to go snorkeling. Yeah, I want to go snorkeling to go on water where you can see that, something. Like yeah. you, you know, our waters are a little bit more murky in the states. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the word I'm going to choose to use. Depending on where, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you don't have that that where you can see 10, 15, yeah. 20, 30, 40 feet down. Yeah. And you can, Right. I mean, you can snorkel on the surface and look all the way down and see something. I mean, mm -hmm. now I want a salty cool. margarita. 
Because I want salt now, too. You talked about all this salt. I want margaritas now. I know it's supposed to be rum, but I don't want salt with I rum. I can, but I want, I can give that a really good rum recipe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There you are. Yes. yes. I think it's time for you two to book a cruise down to the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> so let me, let me give you a rum recipe. Oh, yes. Because one day I might just open a tiki bar. <laughs> I know. She wants to. Except for you wouldn't be serving anybody, you'd be sitting at it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you just get a pineapple, yeah. take the top off, scoop the inside out, not all of the inside, just a bit, leave the pineapple juice in there, get a couple tablespoons of brown sugar, put it in there. Brown and sugar. Brown sugar, then fill it with some rum, put the cap Or on brandy, it. actually. Either one, right? No. No, yeah, I like rum. Okay. Then put the cap back on the pineapple and put it in the sun for two hours. Oh, my then, goodness. What does that do? Ferment in some way? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm. oh See what my. I do later. Well, they used to do that in Kenya, and then they would bring it to you oh, on the beach. Oh, and you, so Yeah, good. and then you try to walk back to your hotel. You try to stay oh, and see what happens. <laughs> it is so good. Whoa, what's oh, the sugar so. alcohol in that one? I want to know. Right, yeah, right. I want to give a shout out to everybody. If you're a travel writer, uh, photographer, blogger, uh, go now to ifwtwa.org. Get involved. They do have their conference May 5th through 8th. Uh, 2018. Uh, they do this every year and a half, two years, and uh, it's for everyone to go in and connect, connect and learn. Uh, so definitely a, a place to check out. And also keep up with Jan. Go to neverenoughtravel.com. Uh, follow her posts on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, always fun to read. Always great news. Even if it's not her story, she shares great travel insights. And uh, I, I love following you, Jan. It's, it's been fun. Thank you. And I'll continue doing that. It's like, hey, she's got something going on. Here, check this out. Um, so do that, neverenoughtravel.com. Again, her article on the ABC Islands of the Caribbean are, is up on nationalparktraveling.com and will be featured in the June-July issue of Parks and Travel magazine. Jan, we got some music for you now. We've got we've got the J Island because we didn't have an ABC Island song, but we know. Okay. <laughs> well, J Jamaica is part of the. There Caribbean, you go. Yes, right? it is. <laughs> and we love this song. It's one of our favorite songs to play on Big Blend Radio, and it's from Ed Roman, who's based in Canada. And everyone can go to edroman.net. It's off of his album Letters from High Latitudes, and uh, he's you know a top 100 mtv.com artist top uh reverb nation artist he traveled to jamaica to film his album and mm. to film this uh video for his song jamaica and he, when he was there he delivered a whole bunch of humanitarian aid to the island while he was shooting the music video and care packages and uh he's 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 an awesome humanitarian awesome musician inspiring and cool so we thought it went with your trip because it's got that good vibe of giving back. Fantastic. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jan. And here it is, everybody. Jamaica. Take care. I share my food and 
talk the talk And I wipe your tears and walk the walk in your current job looking for a career pivot are you a proven leader looking to step up the university of maryland's robert h smith school of business prepares students to meet challenges solve problems and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy with mba and ms programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals gmat and gre not required learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smith school university of maryland smith school of business inspired fearless unstoppable